Whether you have a general interest in health and wellness, or you are already a medical professional, we're here to provide you with tools and resources to make informed decisions about your health. This is House Call, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's podcast. Here, our expert providers will share with you wellness tips, information, and general health advice. Thank you for listening. It may only be four letters, but it is one trending diet program, keto. This is Brianna with Health U, Hackensack Meridian Health's podcast. And today, we're going to digest this fat-packed diet with Dr. Jacqueline Hollywood, a board-certified cardiologist and nuclear cardiologist who has actually tried following keto in the past. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. So now, Dr. Hollywood, did you know that it was the most Googled diet program back in 2018? You know, that's so interesting because keto is not something new. We've actually known about keto for more than 100 years, and it's been used in the medical profession, uh, particularly for help with children with ha- that have epilepsy or seizure disorders to help control their seizures. And it's even been used in some research in the cancer industry to help patients that whose cancer is not responding to chemotherapy therapy because cancer cells live off of sugar. So there is some track record of keto in the past, but it's just become a big popular fad, which is why there's a lot of Google hits. Now, why do you think in recent you know, weeks, months, uh, years, actually, it's just gained this uprise in popularity? Yeah, so the popularity is really tremendous, and there isn't anyone who hasn't heard of it at this point in time. You know, it's sort of like everything else. You, it comes in waves in terms of what's a fad and what's not a fad, low-carb, high-carb, high-fat, low-fat. It's actually very overwhelming for the general public to figure out what's the right thing to do. I know just from my general research that LeBron James has done it, Kourtney Kardashian, Holly Berry. So there's, I'm telling you, there's not a day I go on social media and I don't see something that's wrapped in cheese, wrapped in bacon, and it's called keto-friendly. Well, so it's interesting you know, that you mentioned the social media hits, and that may have a lot to do why, with why so many people are researching this particular diet program, because there are a lot of media influencers that are talking about it. But the keto concept is not really new. If you remember back in the 90s, the Adkins diet yes, was yes. all the craze. The Atkins diet was sort of a less healthy version of what this new keto diet is meant to be. Can we kind of just set the tone? What makes the keto diet different and what exactly, what is it? So the keto diet is where you actually significantly lower your intake of carbohydrates and sugar so that your body starts to metabolize fat instead of metabolizing carbohydrates and glucose. But because of that, our body starts to break down its fat stores, and you have to go into a state of ketosis, which is where your body's using ketones instead of using sugar. And that can have some potential serious effects, which is why all of these diet programs, you do have to take this into consideration, particularly if you're a patient that is on any medical therapy. Mm -hmm. Now, I know I was doing, again, some research online, and most Americans, they tend to uh, consume 50% of their calories from carbs, 25% from protein, 25% from fat. And I saw that there's some really aggressive keto approaches where, you know, less than 5% of your intake is from carbs. So can that really be healthy? So in some cases, it's even lower. Some of the keto macronutrient apps recommend less than 20 grams of carbs, which is essentially 80 calories worth of carbohydrates a day. Now, that is actually very, very aggressive. Uh, But one of the things with the keto diet, and this is where Atkins went wrong back in the 90s, it's a high-fat diet and higher protein with lower sugar. But 
with the Adkins craze, it was bacon and red meat and you know, all kinds of very, very bad saturated fat. Now, there are people who are trying keto who are actually doing what I call bad keto, mm-hmm. where they're still incorporating those bad saturated fats like bacon and lots of red meat. That actually is not great for your heart because that's going to long-term cause all kinds of problems with your heart. Whereas the real keto, the true keto, which is also called clean keto, if people want to Google that, is all of these good quality fats, things that come from the Mediterranean diet, olive oil, nuts, seeds, avocados, that have a high fat content, but it's the good quality fat. So it's the unsaturated good fats. Correct. Okay. As opposed to the saturated fat, is what, which is what we find in meat and bacon, and in particular processed foods like cold cuts, because people on keto are just eating rolls of rolled up ham for lunch and thinking that they're doing themselves a favor. That those processed meats are also sort of fit into the bad category, or snacking on pork rinds. Yes. Bad. <laughs> I'm telling you, I cannot go on social media without seeing people just munching on these fat-packed foods. And I, I, it blows my mind. But people are losing weight, I guess. So what is the actual science behind ketosis? How does, how does that work? So ketosis can actually be a very bad thing. For example, people who have type 1 diabetes, the biggest risk for them is to go into a state of metabolic um, ketoacidosis, which can be very dangerous for the body. But for people who are not diabetic or are just overweight, going into a state of ketosis makes them use up their fat stores because they ran out of glucose stores. The body has the ability to convert both protein and fats and break them down and turn them into glucose. And the brain, which is usually feeds off of glucose, it always goes to to that as its primary source, can convert over into using ketones as its primary source. Once the body starts to do that, the metabolism revs up and they start breaking down their fat stores. And in particular, abdominal fat, which is the one that cardiologists worry about the most because that's that visceral fat that wraps around the organs. How long does it take to achieve this state of ketosis? It's variable from person to person, and honestly, it depends on their glucose and glycogen stores. Average between two, four days, five days to reach that state, but that's only if you've had an extremely low carbohydrate count. If you've been eating carbs just somewhat in between, it will take you longer to reach that state of ketosis. And I was also um, talking to people who I know do the keto diet, and there's ways to test if you're in the state of ketosis, one being urine strips. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is this something new to you? Are you aware of this? I'm very aware of it. It actually is a very effective way to test for ketosis. We have diabetics that are difficult to control test their urine to see if they have ketones or sugar. It's the same thing. You can get them in your local pharmacy or on Amazon, and you just dip the urine, and you see whether or not you're still in a state of ketosis. And a lot of people who sort of follow the keto diet pretty regularly will do that. And it's also a way for them to test what kind of foods knock them out of ketosis if they went above their carbohydrate intake. This is absolutely fascinating to me. So what foods can you absolutely not eat if you are following the keto diet? So the things that you would have to give up are the favorites. Bread, rice, pasta, cookies, crackers, desserts. So it's not just sugar in having a piece of cake. A bowl of pasta is a carb that breaks down into sugar. So those things are all off limits. Fruit is also potentially off limits unless it happens to be a very low sugar fruit which really only includes the berry family. Mm. And the reason for that is is all fruit contains some sugar, but the berry family has a higher fiber content, which makes the actual net amount of sugar in the berries less. If you're reducing carbs this significantly, 
where are you getting your energy from? So a lot of people, when they first start the program, they talk about keto flu and lack of energy and so on, because as the body is trying to transition away from utilizing glucose as its main source of energy. But then once the body transitions over, the body gets very effective at using ketones Mm -hmm. for its main fuel source. So a lot of people say that they don't feel that anymore and they actually feel quite energized. Oh, so I guess it's just that lag period. And now if you're not eating fruit, is there that fear of any nutritional deficiencies? Well, there's a couple of nutritional deficiencies. You know, between most green vegetables, which are allowed on keto, give you a big bulk of the vitamins and minerals that you need. And the berries also have a lot of antioxidants. So from that standpoint, you're doing okay. But the whole grain family, which this excludes, and I'm not talking white bread, I'm talking about the real rich whole grain, 12 grains and so on. They have a lot of B vitamins and other vitamins in them that can become deficient if you stay on this longer term. So if someone was gonna stay on this longer term, they would probably need to supplement for sure to prevent some of these nutritional deficiencies. What are some of the foods that you can eat and what is a more healthier take on you know the keto diet in general? So with regards to the good fats, some of the things that we previously mentioned, nuts, seeds, avocado, the healthy oils that um, come in the Mediterranean diet, olive, extra virgin olive oil, avocado oils, those are actually very good options. Proteins, fish, chicken, lean cuts of red meat. You want to avoid the processed meats. You want to avoid the heavily saturated fat red meats salads, all the green vegetables, there's varying levels of carbohydrate intake in them, but salads, um, asparagus, broccoli, green beans, all of them are actually great on the keto diet. The one thing with salads is you usually have to do like an oil and a, and a low glycemic or low sugar vinegar in order to do a dressing. You can't do like your bottled dressing because most of them have a substantial amount of sugar in them. Talking about this is actually making me very hungry right now, so thank you. <laughs> But now, because there was so much fat involved, is it really that healthy? I mean, from a cardiologist's perspective, can it clog your arteries? So the Atkins version or the dirty keto, as I like to call it, absolutely not healthy, bad for your health all the way around. You still may lose weight, but you are not improving your health. You're not reducing inflammation in your body, which is one of the things that we worry about for long-term health. Inflammation is actually a big deal. When you look at the cleaner keto version, It's actually can be very healthy because we already know from data from the Mediterranean diet that the avocado and the olive oil and the nuts and those types of fats, which are not the saturated fats, can actually be really beneficial to the heart and anti-inflammatory for the body. The biggest problem with someone going on the keto diet, and it can be very, very helpful in particular for people who have gained belly weight, Uh, which puts their risk of high blood pressure, elevated cholesterol, something called metabolic syndrome. Have you ever heard of that? I haven't, no. So what metabolic syndrome is, is it's sort of a pre-diabetic state where we start to see the cholesterol climb, the triglycerides, the blood pressure becomes borderline, people start depositing fat in their middle section, and it's a state of insulin resistance where the body has become resistant to the insulin. So every time you eat a carbohydrate or a sugar, your body can't metabolize it, so it stores it as fat. So for those people, these kind of programs can be very helpful in reversing that insulin resistance. But the flip side to that is that 
very strict diet programs, if you think back to any of the literature or any of the Googling you may have done in past about dieting and yo-yo dieting and how it's bad for you, mm-hmm. is that long-term, it's very hard to sustain a program like this. So I actually think it's probably best as a jumpstart into a diet program and then transitioning back to add back in some of those other healthy elements that we know are good for your long-term health. I know you mentioned that you followed the keto in the past. How long did you do it? I've tried it a couple of times in the past. Uh, Sometimes I've tried it just because it was a big buzzword with my patients and I wanted to be able to give them actual feedback. Other times it was because I myself had gained a few pounds and wanted to lose it quickly, so to speak. And the following it is a little bit difficult. Some people also add into it intermittent fasting. Have you? Yes, I actually did a podcast on that not too long ago, and that also fascinates me. Yes, so the intermittent fasting has sort of come about because as we learn more about the human body, what we've learned about how we need to be eating five and six times a day may not actually be accurate, and that the American diet with us constantly grazing where we always have food in our system uh, actually makes it that the body does not need to break down any of its stores. So you be able to maintain your weight, but it's very hard to lose weight. So the intermittent fasting is a way to just cut down your total calorie intake. Some people use that alone. Other people use the intermittent fasting as a way to jumpstart to get into ketosis. Mm. Because if you fast for a period of time, you're depleting those glycogen stores we spoke about quicker. When you did the keto diet, did you notice that you had any weight loss? And So the very beginning of pretty much any diet program where you're cutting out a lot of the processed foods and a lot of the carbohydrates is water loss. And when with the keto diet, there's definitely a lot of water loss, which can be very encouraging for people because that first week they can lose five pounds, seven pounds, but it's all fluid. So the carbohydrates in our diet, they get stored with a lot of water molecules. Every molecule of carbohydrate gets stored with about four molecules of water. So once you pull away that, you get what we call a diuresis, which is a loss of all of this fluid. But when you add them back, the fluid comes back very, very quickly and you can retain the fluid. So that is sort of a short-term fix, so to speak. If you continue with it, you will notice some weight loss. But as I mentioned, most of the patients that I have found that did this diet program, eventually when they started to incorporate these carbohydrates back into their diet, the weight came back rather quickly. So I think it might be, like I said, a better way to jumpstart and clean up the diet and then go to a more moderate nutritional program that incorporates all the food groups. Would you advise then a patient who was following keto and wanted to maintain that weight loss, talk to some kind of nutritionist or their primary care doctor to get back on track? Absolutely. And anyone who's on any medications should never start any diet program without discussing it with their medical doctor first. Because when you switch up your diet abruptly like this and you're changing your metabolism, it can change the way the drugs that you're taking, the medications that you're taking are metabolized. They can have a more powerful effect. It can affect your blood pressure. It can affect your heart rate. So it's very important important for anyone that's on any medications to discuss any new nutritional program with their doctor. What about pregnant women? Is this something that they can do? Or are there other groups of people who should completely avoid the keto diet in general? Well, I would never recommend this for a pregnant woman because putting herself in a state of ketosis could really put herself at risk. Um, I wouldn't recommend it, as I mentioned, for potentially older people that were on medications. If it's strictly for weight loss and the person just has some of these other issues, borderline blood pressure, borderline cholesterol, 
the, um, an increase in the abdominal circumference, which is the waist size, which is that visceral fat. It can be very effective with jumpstarting their weight loss program. For most patients, though, whether it's a Mediterranean diet, a low-carb diet, a vegan diet, you unless someone is very, very regimented, which the majority of the population aren't, they, they do have a lot of trouble transitioning back. So usually what I recommend to my patients is to do a more moderate diet program. So say they try one of these diet programs to jumpstart their weight loss, get rid of that initial fluid, feel like they're really on track, then go to a more moderate where you're incorporating all the food groups and potentially maybe Monday through Friday, you're stricter with your intake. You are watching the sugar and the carbohydrates. On the weekends, you give yourself a little leeway. It's actually a much better long-term solution to have that balance because you don't want to be doing this yo-yo dieting. We know it's a strain on the heart and the blood vessels. It increases inflammation in the body. But when you get to a point where you're happy and you feel like you're at a good weight, the key is to maintain. So the all or nothing, it just doesn't work for people long-term. Yeah, I would definitely feel a sense of deprivation if I was to do that. As a general blanket statement, Dr. Hollywood, what kind of relationship should people have with their food? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And that's one of the things and one of the concerns that we have with some of these extreme diets is that it creates a more unhealthy relationship with food, whether it be intermittent fasting, keto, you know, it's one of these strict diet, oh, going vegan, one of these strict diet programs where you now are you know thinking about food constantly you're you're it's affecting your daily life that we do see in in the keto family and in the intermittent fasting family there's been some some reports of people struggling with eating disorders where you know the intermittent fasting could go from you know an anorexia type situation then to a bulimic type situation and that it just really changes the relationship with food and we really want people longer term to have a healthy relationship with food that food is nutrition food is full fuel it's good for us not just eating because you have to eat and get x amount of protein into your diet that's not a great long-term relationship with food I definitely think that's a problem that a lot of people have with their food today. And um, I just wanted to say thank you again, Dr. Hollywood, for joining. I mean, this was absolutely fascinating. It was knowledgeable. It was wonderful. And I learned a lot. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. Everyone eat healthy and exercise. The material provided through this Health You podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.